0: Welcome back to the Adam Schefter podcast and week 10, the week that many people in the fantasy football community and the football community itself dreaded by weeks for the Kansas City Chiefs, Miami Dolphins, Philadelphia Eagles, and Los Angeles Rams leaving us with primetime games Thursday night of Carolina at Chicago, Sunday night, Jets at Raiders, Monday night, Broncos at Bills, but we are going to have an exceptional podcast. No bye weeks for us will be joined this week by the former Colts All-Pro Center and interim head coach and my colleague at ESPN, Jeff Saturday, the man who took over as the Colts interim head coach last year for the final eight games of the regular season. We thought it would be apropos to bring him on considering that Antonio Pierce is brought on as the Raiders head coach this year, another former ESPN analyst. ESPN has become the breeding ground of interim head coaches. First Jeff Saturday, now Antonio Pierce. Who knows who could be next? Maybe it'll be my friend, the co-host of the fantasy-focused football podcast, Daniel Dopp. And speaking of Daniel Dopp, the weekly six-pack...
1: What up, Adam? We are doing another edition of the Six Pack here. Let's start things off. First off, I would love to be a head coach in the NFL, but Adam, my Detroit Lions already (laughs) have such a great coaching staff. What am I going to do here? I'm not taking over Dan Campbell's job. The guy's crushing it right now. Well, Daniel, it doesn't
0: have to be Detroit. It could be anywhere else. You never know where there's going to be an Uh, interim opening. And again, with all the luck that ESPN analysts have had landing these interim head coaching jobs, I hereby nominate you to take over the next interim head coaching job.
1: (laughs) Adam, I am all into that. All right, let's dive into the six pack with topic number one. Let's talk some Aaron Rodgers, because even though the New York Jets fell on Monday night football to the Chargers, this team is still surprisingly four and four. They've won three of their last four games. Their defense is keeping a minute. Adam, if you look at this team and you see that they have a chance to continue to play well down the stretch, I mean, we might see Aaron Rodgers still play meaningful games. Is that a potential possibility for real that we could see Aaron Rodgers back with this Jets team by the end of the year? Daniel, do you see the postgame conversation on Monday night after the game? I was well asleep by the postgame conversation, unfortunately, Adam. Okay, I posted it on
0: my Instagram account this morning and Twitter, but basically what happened is after the game, the Chargers Pro Bowl safety, Derwin James, went up to Aaron Rodgers and said, when are you coming back? And he said, and I quote, and you can go look at the video, a few weeks. That's what he told wow. him. Word for word, a few weeks. Now, here's the thing. Is he saying that literally, figuratively? Is he really mean? A few weeks, a few weeks would put him on track to be back at the end of the month, maybe, maybe early December. That's what he set out to do the entire time. He's a man on a mission. We never would doubt Aaron Rodgers. All those things are also true. But here's the point that I really wanted to make. I always remember I had a buddy in Colorado who li- who is a loyal podcast listener. He's constantly texting and comments. So he's hearing this right now. My good friend Lou from Littleton, a.k.a. Tom Manoogian. He's probably hearing it as he's walking his dog right now saying, oh, my God, just mentioned my name. But we were once talking about the afterlife. The afterlife, Daniel.
1: Okay. All right. I
0: don't remember how it came up, and I don't remember the exact conversation, but I do remember him telling me that he believed in the afterlife. And I said, you believe in the afterlife? How come? He said, I am hopeful and optimistic and can't wait to go on to the afterlife. I'm like, wow, you're really buying in. He goes, because if I'm wrong, so what? And that's exactly how I feel about this Aaron Rodgers thing. Let's hope. Let's wish. Let's wait for it. And if we're wrong, so what? It helped us get through the year, right? So to me, that's the whole thing. He says a few weeks. We'll take him at his word. And if we're wrong, as my buddy says in Colorado, Tom Manugium, so what? Then that's the way it'll be.
1: So what? All right, Adam, let's move on. Topic number two, another team dealing with quarterback situation here, the Giants have not only lost to Rod Taylor, to I.R., now they've now also lost Daniel Jones. It looks like they are on to Tommy DeVito right now, leading them under center for this team. Adam, not just for right now, but moving forward, do you think that we saw enough from Daniel Jones that if this Giants team is bad enough, that they could be at the top of the draft, that they could potentially look at getting another quarterback? Or do you think that Daniel Jones is their man of the future after signing a four-year, $160 million deal last year?
0: Well, here's what I would say. First of all, as we record this Tuesday morning, they have not said who their quarterback is going to be this week. But I have a feeling that Matt Bar- I have a feeling Matt Barkley is going to get the start over oh, Tommy okay. DeVito. But we'll see how that shakes out this week. I'm not reporting that, but I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out to be Matt Barkley over Tommy DeVito. Uh, beyond that, they have guaranteed Daniel Jones after this year only 35.5 million dollars, and their season has turned into an official dumpster fire with all the players who have lost all this time due to injuries, it's not going to get better. And really for the giants right now. And I think their fans and the people in the organization know it. It's not how you operate. It's not how you play. It's not how you think, but each loss is now a win. That's the truth here, right? Yeah. Each loss moves them closer to the top of the draft. And right now, if the draft were today, Daniel, the giants would be holding the fourth overall pick. They are one game out of the number one pick. Well, one and a half because they're two and seven and Arizona is one and eight. No, they're one game out. They're one game out of the number one pick. So if you are the Giants and you have the chance to go get Caleb Williams or Drake May and you can do that, I don't care how much money they owe Daniel Jones. I don't care whether he is healthy or not next season. I don't care about any of that. Okay. On Saturday night, where was the Giants' front office. They were photographed and spotted at the USC-Washington game, scouting Caleb Williams and Washington quarterback Michael Penix. It wasn't just their general manager, Joe Shane, who was there, by the way. He was also there with his assistant general manager, Brandon Brown, and the director of player personnel, Tim McDonald. So they had not one, not two but three people at that game scouting quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing, Daniel. They were playing in Las Vegas on Sunday anyway, so it's very convenient to go out to the West Coast to see those quarterbacks. But again, three key people in attendance in a season that has gone south really quick where you're right now sitting there with a 2-7 and record, scheduled to pick fourth overall, and it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse here. It's going to get worse. but. The upside is, the worse it gets, the better it gets, Daniel. The better it gets for the future. So, Giant fans, as much as they don't want it, they know their season's over. They're not going to the playoffs at 2-7 and with Daniel Jones. So, they need to lose out. We've heard teams wanting to win out. They need to lose out right here and go 0-8 down the stretch and see what they can do to try to lock up one of those top two picks.
1: I've been here as a Lions fan, Adam. It never feels good as a fan, but you think the organization is in the best spot to be able to try and acquire as many pieces for the future, right? And let's all be honest with ourselves. We've been there before, unfortunately, which is tough. Wish Giants fans the best as this team tries to figure things out. All right. Topic number three of the six pack, the AFC North. Adam Schefter, the AFC North is so freaking dominant right now. Baltimore Ravens look unreal. They just destroyed both the Detroit Lions and Seattle Seahawks in back-to-back games. Plus, you've got the Steelers, Browns, and Bengals all at 5-3. and Everyone's got a winning record in the AFC North.
0: Well, let me say this to you. Over the weekend on ESPN Sunday Countdown, Teddy Bruschi said that he thought that the Bengals might be the best team in football. Forget about the AFC. North, forget about the AFC. He said the but this was before they beat the Bills. The Bengals might be the best team in football. And I said, hold on. What about the Ravens? What if the Ravens crushed the Seahawks the same way they crushed the Lions? Two teams that were leading their respective divisions at the same time. And that doesn't even include the Browns, who might have the best defense in football, or the Steelers, who, despite the fact that they can't gain yards, just keep winning. Do you know, Daniel, that no division In NFL history, ever has sent all of its teams to the playoffs. No team ever has done that. And the AFC North now has a chance to become the first division in football history ever to send all of its teams to the playoffs. And I got to tell you something, Daniel, it wouldn't surprise me if all of them go to the playoffs this year.
1: That would be unreal. Seeing all four teams go from one division, that would be absolutely incredible, at at least as far as I'm concerned. I think that would be pretty, pretty amazing. All right, let's move on to topic number four, the six pack, Adam Panthers and Bears Thursday night. The NFL giving us. Well, I don't know what they're giving us here on Thursday night. Panthers Bears isn't very (laughs) exciting, to be honest. Uh, But if you look at this, I actually think there are a lot of ramifications from this game because you got two teams that are both at the bottom of the standings trying to figure out their draft order. Understanding the Panthers gave up their first-round pick to the Bears, what is on the table for this Bears-Panthers matchup on Thursday night?
0: Well, that's the whole thing. As we sit here today, almost halfway through the season, the Cardinals have the number one pick at 1-8. and The Carolina Panthers have the number two pick at 1-7. and But guess what? That pick is going to the Bears, as you mentioned, Daniel. And so if the Bears can find a way to win on Thursday night against the Carolina Panthers then that pick all of a sudden would be one and eight tied with Arizona for the Mm -hmm. number one pick as the Cardinals get to host the Falcons on Sunday. Either way, the Bears draft position is going to improve on one hand on Thursday night. It's going to suffer on the other hand on Thursday night. They're going to improve one mark. They're going to hurt themselves in another area. But that Carolina record, that Carolina pick is of the utmost importance. So if the Bears win, the game they also win with the panthers pick it becomes hugely important to them and i'm sure al michaels will be just thrilled talking about the ramifications of the number one pick on the thursday night amazon prime time broadcast but that's the way it is right that is one of the most intriguing storylines in this game sorry al like that's yeah. just the way it is it's really <laughs> interesting for april not as much so thursday night
1: yeah yeah Yeah, Thursday night will not be quite as fun, so hopefully it'll be a good broadcast because that could be a tough game to watch, but a lot on the table for that game. All right, let's keep on moving. Topic number five of our six-pack. We had some firings this last week. Adam Schefter, the Raiders, got rid of Josh McDaniels. They got rid of their GM. They got rid of their offensive coordinator. It's going to cost them nearly $85 million to move on. What do you make of this? What do you make of the Raiders letting go of their head coach and their GM in the middle of the season?
0: Well, sometimes we like to tell the stories behind the story, Daniel, right? So last week, we were in Bristol to do the NFL trade deadline show. And right after the trade deadline show, as you recall, we met in the ESPN radio audio area and recorded the six pack for this podcast. Last week, when we had on Bobby Slowick, the Texans offensive coordinator, who, by the way, rolled it up this past weekend against Tampa Bay. And so when we got done with the podcast, I went and did the six o'clock sports center, drove home, got back about nine o'clock on Tuesday. And I got to tell you something, I was exhausted. It was a long few days. It's always a tough day going into Sunday, Saturday night. I don't really sleep very much at all. Sunday is is the pregame show ESPN Sunday countdown. And then you watch all the games. You're working basically late night. And then Monday's yep. trade stuff and Tuesday's trade stuff. We go to Britain and I get back on Tuesday night. I got to tell you, this, I felt all of my 56 years of age, like I'm tired. <laughs> and I get into bed about 1030 and I doze off and I wake up at midnight to three different texts that Josh McDaniels had been fired. So. I tried to call Mark Davis. He didn't answer. I tried to call Josh McDaniels. He didn't answer. I tried to call Dave Ziegler. He didn't answer. I tried to call some other people. No one answered. I'm calling around for about an hour. This (laughs) is going on when I'm exhausted, when I've just been woken up from my sleep. And finally, at one o'clock in the morning, right around the time that the team was putting in, I get confirmation that they're fired. So spent the next couple hours up putting out there that Antonio Pierce was going to be the interim head coach and Champ Kelly was going to be the interim general manager. Long story short, as I see you yawn on this podcast right now, I was exhausted and it wound up being an almost all-nighter on Tuesday night after the trade deadline. And whoever would have thought that on the day of the trade deadline, that on the day of the trade deadline, that none of the trades would be as significant or as big as what would happen after I went to sleep that night. But that's exactly how the day unfolded. Yeah. And by the way, I should say, I also should point out the night before my friend and colleague, Adrian Wojanowski, was flying to LA and he was in the airport and didn't get on his flight to fly out to LA and spent all night working on James Harden. So back to back nights, Woj and I mm. were pulling all nighters for stories that a lot of people at that time didn't see coming. James Harden gets traded the night before. The Raiders reset their organization the next night, and here we are today, still talking about it now.
1: That's crazy. That's crazy, Adam. I saw a few things out there about uh some stuff that led up to it. Was there anything that with was there anything that came out as a here's part the thing, of-
0: here's the thing, here's the thing on that. There's no one tipping point. There are a lot of incidents, okay? Okay. And I'm telling you right now that if we go back to when Mark Davis hired Josh McDaniels, and Dave Ziegler. It wasn't long thereafter before he was wondering if he had done the right thing. And from there, it just continued to go on. There are more and more examples. You, how many of them you want me to give you? He was not happy when he found out that the Raiders brain trust gave Derek Carr a no trade clause in his contract. He was not happy with the way that the team performed. He was very unhappy about the contract with Chandler Jones. He was very unhappy about all sorts of things. And then when he began Surveying players and getting more and more information, then I think all of it together led to my all nighter last Tuesday night and no sleep. It wasn't just one conversation or one incident. It was building the entire time, coming to a tipping point when it did the day after they lost to the Euro Detroit Lions. And by the way, one week before that, I got a text from somebody that said, Hey, be on the lookout. If the Raiders lose bad to the Lions on Monday night, heads are going to roll. There's going to be firings a week before. And wow. again, okay. that's what happened.
1: Well, let's wrap up this six pack, Adam, with topic number six, because interim head coaches going right from that into Antonio Pierce. This Raiders team has not looked good. And yet, this week against the Giants, coming down with a 30 to 6 victory. Kind of out of nowhere, really surprising seeing this, the way that this worked out, because Antonio Pierce and this team looked very different than the Raiders teams that I had been seeing in the previous weeks.
0: Well, there's a lesson here.
1: And the lesson is
0: this. If we look back at some of these interim head coaches, they all could do a great job if given the opportunity. Um, And I go back to Carolina. They had Steve Wilkes come in. Steve Wilkes lit it up for that organization. Steve Wilkes is from that area. Steve Wilkes wanted to stay on. And the Panthers owner, David Tepper, decided to go hire Frank Reich. And so far, the results are mixed at best. And we'll see what happens here. And we'll see if they're able to turn it around. But Frank Reich and the job he's done hasn't been any better than the job that Steve Wilkes has done. And if we go back to the aforementioned Las Vegas Raiders, when they fired John Gruden, they went with Rich Bisaccia, who the players loved. And Mark Davis gave some consideration to keeping Rich Bisaccia, which ultimately he decided not to do. And if you ask him now, and he's being honest, probably admits, you know what, probably would have been a great thing, a wise thing to keep Rich Bisaccia. So the fact that Carolina could have and should have kept Steve Wilkes and didn't, and the Raiders could have and should have kept Rich Bisaccia and didn't, helps Antonio Pierce, I believe. Now, he has to go out and do a great job. And he did a great job this past week against the Giants. But if he continues to coach like that and the team continues to play like that and perform like that, to me, it's hard not to give him the job, especially considering what all these other interim head coaches have done. And that's why everybody here, I think we're rooting for Antonio Pierce. We love Antonio Pierce. Worked with him. Great guy. Let's see how he can do it. But I think the fact that all these other interim head coaches did pretty well, owners might have made mistakes, I think that all helps Antonio Pierce. And Daniel, speaking of interim coaches, we thought it would be fun to go to our colleague, Jeff Saturday, the former Colts interim head coach from last year, the final eight games, and get him to talk about his experience and what Antonio Pierce did is in four. Without further ado, Jeff Saturday. You look good. You look like a man who's who's hunting out there, hunting and having a good time there, Jeff. <laughs>
2: you, I, That is a fact. I'm enjoying it and I am hunting. So all of those things and uh, my son and I just got out of a blind. So having a good day already, brother. See,
0: see think about this. If you were the coach of the Colts right now or coach that you couldn't go hunting on a Friday morning <laughs> no
2: sir hey I can tell you blessings and fortunate at this point right <laughs> tell them, hey, no, no, no no, looking back no regrets I can assure you
0: <laughs> what goes through your mind when you watch the Colts now and you see some of the things that go on because you lived that life just last season and here you are yep. able to hunt on a Friday morning
2: Oh man, listen, I, I pull for him like crazy, man. I, I'm I'm happy for Shane uh, you know, to get the job. I, I told everybody, man, and you know me, Chef, you're like my um, you know, I, I have strong faith, man. If if it was meant to be, yeah. I, I would get it. It was not meant to be, it was meant for Shane. I wish he the absolute best, man. I wish their staff the best. I love those guys, I love those people, I love the organization. Like there is literally nothing in me except let's go Colts, man. And it has not changed. Wow. It won't change. I got a ton of respect for it. And look, man, like coaching the NFL is hard, man. Like it, it requires a lot and it it calls a lot on you. Um, And so I am, and I, I tell everybody, man, I know, I know if it was supposed to be mine, it would have been, it is not. And I'm a, I'm a great cheerleader brother. And that's what I do, man. And I, and I, I still love the Colts. I hate that, you know, that Richardson got hurt, man, that, that, that was a bummer, but I was really excited to watch even his progression with Shane those first few weeks. Yeah. Man, I, I thought, man, this kid is it's gonna be, and I still believe it, but obviously it's gonna take some time now because of the surgery. But it's uh yeah, man. I love Gush, you know, and their staff. It just, yeah, man, I'm a cult, bro. I mean, you know what I mean? That's just the bottom line. <laughs> and it ain't gonna change. And uh yeah, whatever anybody says, it, none of that stuff bothered. I knew I was going and I was called in to do something and do a job. I did it. And, uh, and, and I did it to the best of my ability. And we made some good progress in that building. And I, I'm excited about where they're going to take it from here.
0: So now Antonio Pierce gets an opportunity, not unlike the way you got it, except he was on the staff already. You were called Correct. out of our studio. What was your reaction when you hear somebody stepping in to an interim role the way that Antonio Pierce has now, the way you did
2: last season? I'm super excited for AP. You know, we work together, you know what I mean? We all work together. So, uh, you know, he and I were actually coaching high school at the same time we would go do NFL live or whatever shows we were on. And we would talk about our teams. We shared huddle, uh, which was like the high school viewing a film uh, back in the day, man. And we would talk about like how we were managing our time when we had to work versus when we were coaching and, you know, what kind of, what kind of uh, systems we were running and, it's great, but I'm excited for him. And I will tell you um, from my perspective, like watching what he's coming into him being in that building gives him, um, gives him an advantage, right? Because he's already built relationships with some of these men, these coaches, these players. uh, and, And so he'll be, he'll be much further ahead as far as knowing where he wants coaches to be, who he wants to be callers, you know, play callers, uh, coordinators, what? However, he wants to do which players he wants to move into the lineup or maybe pull out of the lineup to try to improve. Uh, and so he he has and and, and I've, I've already heard you know some of the other coaches have left the staff or been dismissed, whatever that. So he you know he has a clear vision of what needs to happen for the Raiders for him to take it from where he wants to where it needs to be. And and uh, anybody who's ever played for AP knows, man, this dude is. You know he's going to shoot you straight. He ain't mixing words. Uh, he understands the game. He's going to chase after the game. He's going to do his absolute best. So I pull for him, man. I, I pull for all players. The Dan Campbells. Anthony, hey, bro, if you've been on my side and you strap that thing up, I'm I'm all for you, man. I want <laughs> you to do the best. I want you to get the job and go do the you know, go do the best job with it.
0: Have you had any contact with him since he got named the interim head coach? Did you send him a text or anything, Jeff?
2: I have not yet. In fact, I was going to send them a text, and, and I, but I, I can remember from my side that was, you know, I felt so. I got, I, you know, you get, you get a five thousand text, right? And it's like you felt bad, you know, of, of going through them all. So I figured. Uh, I was gonna wait a little bit, let it kind of die down, you know, and get through a couple games, and then shoot him one and just tell him. Um, but I've I've said it on air, and obviously, you know, they'll hear from this. But man, I I do wish him the best, man. And 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 uh, the Raiders, but they have some they have some very talented players on that team. Um, and and it, I'll be honest with you, though, man, it's always, and I have said this since I've been, you know, on ESPN and doing the kind of the broadcasting thing. It and, and I said this when I took the job over from Frank, it, it, this is bittersweet. Like it, it's yeah. But because somebody lost their job, man, like, you know, like, like, and other coaches know they're going to lose their job, right? They're, they're no longer going to be with the organization after this year. It affects families. It affects spouses. It affects, you know, it affects life. I think people think football happens in a vacuum and it doesn't. Um, So I feel bad for Josh because I, I respect him. And uh obviously it didn't work out there in Vegas, but, mean, AP, he—I will tell you this: for the next eight weeks, he ain't gonna sleep much because there, there's a lot of weight that comes with this—that you feel responsible for those men, not only in the locker room but on that staff. And uh, so, I will definitely shoot him a text and, and congratulate him. But knowing you know, that man's buckling the belt, he—he he under th- this is this is a large undertaking. Not that he's not capable and 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 gonna handle it, but it's it's a lot. It's a lot more than just the X's and O's. I'll put it that way.
0: You know, I shot him a text that night, the night he took over, and I said, you were born to do this. He is a leader of men. That's who he is. And this is something that he should be doing going forward because he inspires others. He leads others. He's got that type of energy. Both you guys do. And it's not surprising that you work together, that you had that bond together, and that ESPN has become this breeding ground of interim (laughs) NFL head coaches. Because, (laughs) (laughs) you know what? There's not a better headhunter hunter right now than Seth Markman, the guy that hires you guys. He he knows the hungry ones, right? He's he not scared to go get the hungry ones. And so
2: I, and I, I remember talking AP and I talking about it. And and uh, you know, both of us with where we were in our lives, and like I said, we were both coaching and we talked about it. We talked about the balance of it, but you're hundred percent right. He is he is a no-nonsense, even as a player, people knew who he was, right? And I think that's what you see when people talk about. Oh, man, like Dan Campbell, he's this super authentic guy. And, you know, Frank, right, all these guys. Well, these former players who have who have who are now coaching because that's what we were in the locker room. Like we understood what resonates with guys because we sat in those seats. And so, you know, AP winning, you know, winning in New York and and, and you know, the, the, the type of teams they had there. He knows what physicality is. He knows what intensity is. He knows how to get guys inspired. To go play, but he knows it's not just about inspiring guys, man. It's about coaching them up, and, and you see him on the sidelines, and you hear players, even in Vegas, who talk about him endearing in the way that he coaches a man. Because you know, listen. We've all been a player, and sometimes they, you know, so, you know, sometimes you're the bug, sometimes you're the windshield, right? Like, <laughs> like you are hoping you're the windshield, but sometimes you're the bug, and it happens. It happens to all of us, but it's it's being able to move past that and understand, hey, man, sometimes they're better than you, but this is what we're going to do to get better. Here's how I'm going to help you be better. And I know he's going to do that. And it's going to be, it's going to be big for Vegas.
0: Did you and he, when you work together at ESPN, ever have any conversations that, either one of you expressed any interest in becoming a coach or even a head coach in the NFL
2: yeah we did actually we talked about like what the, what would the time commitment be we talked about going into college uh, you know what what was what did that look like did you you know you always talk about the the pros and cons right do you want to go recruit do you not want to go recruit you know you want to kind of how, how you know how much time can you spend with players you know do you like that high school where you feel like you're more impactful you know, probably in in totality for their life. Cause a lot of guys are going to stop after high school, right? So you're 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 helping them build characteristics and traits for life. Um, you know, to go hit the working world as well as athletes. And then when you get to college, it's, it's similar. Uh, but but you know, more guys are going to end up in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, we did, man. We talked about all kinds of different, you know, coaching avenues. How would you ever go do it? And uh, man, he pursued it obviously going at you know going out there with Herm and uh, but but just. We both love ball, man. I mean, like, we would talk about ball. I would – he would – on his huddle, I would look at, like, his his daily itinerary and, like, what he wanted his players to do, how he set up his weight room, what was, you know, offense, defense. Because in high school, so many kids go both ways and they play special teams. So, like, how are you going to kind of set up your schedule for practice? We did all that stuff, man. It, I mean, it was it was awesome. I, I mean, I did that with a number of different players. Mark Brunel was another one. and and But we would all, because Brunel was with us too, right? And so we had these conversations all the time, man. And it was just, it was fun, man. And, and I'm so proud of him and fired up for him.
0: You just made me think of something. If Dan Campbell falters at all, there's no doubt in my mind that Mark Burnell, formerly of the <laughs> NFL Livecast, is taking over as the there Detroit Lions interim head coach because that's what we do. We spit that's out it. coaches, right? <laughs> He's in line to take over for Dan that's Campbell. Right. I'm going with it right now, Jeff. I'm reporting it right now. to be ahead I don't, of the curve there.
2: I don't think Dan's going anywhere. He's doing a pretty good job. <laughs> but if so, I'm with you. I'm with you, Shafty.
0: <laughs> so let me ask this question. Having been through what you did last year, what would you tell Antonio? What advice would you give him about succeeding in the second half of the season in an effort to try to keep that job and lose that interim title to become a full time head coach? What should he know, Jeff? Yeah,
2: uh, leave no stone unturned. I, you know, and it, I think it's a little bit different, Shetty, in my situation because. Um, Ballard, who was the, who was, Chris Ballard, who's the GM of the Colts, you know, knew he was staying right. Like Frank had been, had been fired, but you know, Chris was still in the building. They have a new GM and um, and head coach. And so they're going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to have a a little bit different perspective where, um, you know, we all knew for in in Indy that Ballard was going to be the final decision maker, obviously, because he's going to be there and he's, he's looking for the future. And, um, at the time I, when I first took the job, I didn't even think I was going to apply, you know, ever for the, for the whole thing. So it, you know, it was, it was a little bit different, but I would tell him, man, don't be scared of your gut. Like if you feel like a guy needs to go play, um, if you need to make a switch, make a change. Go with it, because because if you look back and go, man, I should have done that earlier. I should have made this change a little bit mm-hmm. earlier. It, it's nothing but regret. And so I think I think he's already doing it. I think he probably had that in in his mind. Um, but it's one of those things, man, where you got to trust yourself and and also don't let the don't let the 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 record reflect w- what type of job you're doing. There are some things that you can't control in the NFL and you know, people would like to think that, you know, you can just change things immediately, but I use Dan Campbell as a, he's, a, you know, he's a one, 10 and one, right? Like, like patience for Mark Davis is going to matter. He needs to look inside that building. He needs to look at his staff. He needs to look at the development of the players and realize you don't blink and it just happens, right? Your team's hmm. not, your team's not one player away, Mark, right? Like understand development is going to matter in this situation. And if you feel like, AP is the guy to develop that. Trust it and give it time, man. I mean, thank goodness that the, that the Lions did give him because I talked to Dan Campbell actually last year in the middle of the season. And uh he 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 made the joke. He's like, Jeff, like you can't you can't worry about results yet because you're you're just building the foundation, right? Like you're chipping away at what and you're building the foundation. Huh? He's like, Man, I was I think they were one and six at the beginning of the year, and then they had rattled off like three or four wins in a row. And he's like, man, if you knew the beat writers at one and six, they were all trying to run me out of town. And, you know, now we win three in a row and I may, I, you know, I may have a lifetime contract It all in jest, right? All in fun. But it's true. Like, like, don't get caught up in make sure you're building the foundation for something that you're going to be proud of and that, you know, is ultimately going to be successful in the long run.
0: Do you ever want to coach again?
2: Oh, it would have to be the right circumstances, Shefty. like that. That was even my issue, you know, a bit in Indy, man. Is I have a very specific way that I would do it, um, and and uh, and it, that may not suit, you know, owners. I, I am much more of the Tony Dungy, Bruce Arians schedule uh, thought process that way. Um, I am not a, I, I don't believe a tired soldier is a good soldier, but that's not, you know, some guys want to do it differently and, and, um, you know, to each his own, their success all the way around, but, but it, it would have to, it would have to meet my requirements. You know what I mean? Not that I would be hunting on Fridays, but I can assure you, I, I <laughs> ain't working until 11 PM on a Friday, right? Like, well, we're going to
0: have some had, balance. <laughs> you have to give up the friendlier hours that you have now. I'll tell you one thing. The last time when you were hired. The morning of the Colts game, I'll never forget it because I was at JFK Airport. It was 6 in the morning, and I got a text that you were taking over. And I'm like, 6 in the morning, I started reaching out to people. Now, it was unconfirmed, and we were still waiting for further confirmation, everything to happen, and for Jim Mercer to go on that. But I sensed at 6 a.m., and I was with Booger McFarlane in the airport. I turned to him, I go, I think Jeff Saturday is taking over as the interim head coach. And he's like, are you out of your mind? I'm like, no, I think that's happening. we are flying (laughs) to New Orleans, waiting to see the events unfold. And I remember contacting you after I got into the hotel room. And yes, yes, it did unfold that way. It's something that I'll never forget. I always like to say, coaches remember plays. And reporters remember stories and you remember everything about it, where you are. And I remember the day that you got hired as the intermed coach because it started out at JFK airport and lasted yep. all the way until I was in my hotel room in new Orleans for the Monday night saints Ravens game in new Orleans.
2: That's exactly right. You know what I had, and you'll love this. I had just, when Jim called me, it was like, it was like 11, close to midnight on that yeah. Sunday night, they had played the Patriots and, uh, I had just come out of the woods. I had been – that was the last – that was the last time I slept from that point until sometime in February. So it was – I remember it for different reasons. It was – it was a buzzsaw of time, bro. I mean, it was a – it was a blink and a let's go and uh, – yeah, let's let's burn this thing at both ends for as long as we can. But it was it was an incredible experience. Like I said, man, I am I am so honored that I had that shot and that opportunity. And man, I know AP, but, but I, I could I could remember you and I talking and you saying Jeff, and I was like, Shefty, I can't say it, but I'm you know what I mean. You and I thought, <laughs> I was like, I'm just telling you, it's it's gonna go down right. Like um, and 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 uh, that that conversation happening, uh, like you said, at the wee hours of the morning. Um, it was just a, it was a crazy experience, man.
0: And now the similarities are unbelievable because you, last year, while you worked for ESPN, ripped the Raiders in a tweet. The Raiders had Josh McDaniels. They fired Josh McDaniels. They hire your former ESPN colleague, Antonio Pierce. You guys worked together. He now does what you do after you ripped that team, after you took over as the interim <laughs> head coach of the Colts, and now he does that with the Raiders. And that's why I figured all these connections, I had to reach out to get your thoughts on this great I, topic.
2: I love it, dude. I love it. It's so much fun to rehash, man. Again, I know you're pulling for him. I'm pulling for him. It's going to be fun to watch.
0: And my, my last thing before I let you go back into the woods and go kill whatever you're going to go kill, and hopefully it's not <laughs> me. Antonio's taking over as an interim head coach. You're taking over. We're lobbying for Mark Brunell one day to take over. In the tri- <laughs> Is there any hope that my training on NFL Live will give me enough of a base of knowledge to become an interim head coach one day, Jeff?
2: absolutely absolutely listen Chef, with all the knowledge <laughs> all the knowledge you got bro you would build hey listen you don't even need to know football bro you just all the knowledge you have, you could just hire the perfect staff. That—that's, you know what I mean. I could, hey, I could come in and be like an assistant GM. I don't want like the whole title. Just give me something easy. Bring me on in. Let me come hang with you. I can help you. We'll, we'll, hey, we'll get the right staff. We can execute. Now you just—you'll be a face man. You know what I mean. You'll be the face man. You're like the A team. You're face man. You'll be out there, and we have everybody else doing doing the hard work.
0: <laughs> hey, one day, one day after all this reporting stuff is done, that may happen. I may join an NFL team. I love had, it. I've i had some conversations before about it. People have talked to me about it in the right time, in the right place, maybe one day. And I would be honored to be on a staff with you. We could put together the dream staff and we just take everybody from, from NFL life. Everybody. No doubt. Dream team.
2: We get book we get bugs involved or Lasky. We get <laughs> Spears. We get Clark. We got it all. Hey, we got every position covered, dude. We got it all covered.
0: And we can make Laura the first female head coach in NFL history.
2: Oh, that would be sweet. That would be sweet. Mina, Mina, Mina would be. Oh, Mina. Have to be our general. She had to be our general manager because she's going to have all the. She got all the info on all the players. All the analytics will be handled. I'm telling you, we got a squad, bro. She had to we got a squad. Put will <laughs> hey! I tell you right now, you can put us up against any other broadcasting network. We, we hey, we'll put them down. We'll put them down. We got the skills. <laughs>
0: Jeff, I appreciate taking some time from your busy schedule there. Go back into the woods. Thank you for the time today. Honored to have you back as a teammate again. And we'll both be rooting for AP going forward here.
2: Heck yeah. Appreciate you, Chef. You have a great
0: one, brother. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate you. And there is Jeff Saturday, who not only was a great center for the Colts, is a great broadcaster for Eastman, and would have been a great head coach if given the opportunity. But we are very happy to have him at ESPN. Also want to give a shout out to Josh Dobbs, who we didn't get to in the weekly six-pack. What he did this past week, it was incredible. Not only did he lead the Vikings to a come from behind victory over the Falcons, not only did he do it without knowing the players' names in his huddle, without knowing the playbook, without knowing the case, it was unbelievable to watch the whole thing. He also did one another. He knocked me out of my survivor pool. I had the oh. Falcons this past week, Daniel. No and way. I got to tell you this right now. As soon as I saw Jaron Hall go down, I said to myself, Oh, no, Uh, that's not what I wanted to see happen (laughs) for my Survivor pick. I do not want to see Josh Dobbs. And so he came on and, hey, much respect and mad credit to him. He kind of dampened my Sunday afternoon. You go nine weeks alive in the Survivor. You really want to try to finish the job. And thanks to Josh Dobbs and his rocket ship performance there on Sunday. I'm out now on my survivor pick but we go on and we begin to look to the future i have one other thing that i really want to try to get done in the future the last couple of weeks and my wife and my daughter are laughing at me i keep asking my daughter hey dylan you want to get a couple of your friends let's go let's go to the taylor swift movie get them together let's go let's go let's go see this taylor swift movie and every week you know what the older they get daniel the tougher it is for them to give you their time she's 15 Mm -hmm. now she would much rather be with her friends than her daddy. And I keep asking. I'm like, I'll take you and your friends. Let's go. I think Let's it would be do a it. great father-daughter experience. I actually privately want to see the movie. I think <laughs> it would be kind of cool to see. I've heard really good things about it. We saw her in concert this summer. It was awesome to see. And I'd like to kind of go relive that experience with my daughter and happy to bring along her friends. Plus, I haven't been to a movie theater in probably five or six years and would love to sit back in a chair Hopefully not fall asleep and watch an entertaining, upbeat movie. So let's see if we could see that Taylor Swift movie sometime here in the near future, which I actually would like to get done. Yeah, I would like to get my survivor pick. That didn't happen. We'll see if we could see the Taylor Swift movie at some point in time.
1: Adam, if for some reason Dylan decides not to go with you, I realize that I am not your daughter, but you and I, two grown (laughs) men, I will totally go see the Taylor Swift movie with you. Next time you're in (laughs) Bristol, baby, I'm right there.
0: You know I don't know that I've ever been to the movies in Bristol before. I, I actually thought about it once about 12, 13 years ago when I first started out when this job wasn't exactly what it is today. And I don't know if I would have the attention span to sit in a movie, especially in Bristol and not look at my <laughs> phone and not be distracted
1: and not focus in on the movie at hand. But hey. Oh, I never thought about that. What are you like in a movie? Like, how do you not have your phone out? Because so much of what you do is just, you know what I mean? I, I, you know, I said this
0: to, we. Were, I was talking to Hannah Storm yesterday about, profession in the industry. I really believe that it has rewired my brain in an unhealthy way to where mm-hmm. I cannot sit down and watch a movie without kind of thinking or checking the phone or responding to a text or whatever it may be. And I used to love to read books. Back when I covered the Denver Broncos for the Denver Post, I'd sit out after the season, I'd always read like three or four books. Love that. Uh, can't read books, don't have the patience to read books, don't have time or patience to go to the movies. I really think my brain has been rewired in an unhealthy way to do what I do and to not allow me to take the time to enjoy some of the basic human things that so many of us love to do, like going to a movie, like reading a book. Story well, Adam. Is.
1: You're the one that unfortunately for us has got to wake up at 1 a.m. in order to run down stories on the other side of the country. Someone's got to do it, Adam. I guess it's got to be you, man. Yeah, well, we'll
0: try to do that. We'll try to get to the Taylor Swift movie. We'll try to do better in The Survivor next year. Thank you, Josh Dobbs. All right, we want to thank Jeff Saturday for his time today to talk about interim head coaches. We want to thank Daniel Dow for joining us for the weekly six-pack, my producers, Christina Buswell and Sarah Abbott for setting it up and putting this whole thing together, and you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week. We'll be back with more information, more insights, more interviews from week 10. Until then, have a great week, everybody. Be well and stay safe.